Glory to God. You're looking good this morning. You look like you've been in the presence of the Lord. In fact, just tell the person next to you, say, you're looking good. And then tell them, but you're not looking as good as me. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Believe it. Have some confidence. You know, God didn't make a mistake when he made you. He doesn't make mistakes. And so if he thinks you're pretty awesome, then that makes you pretty awesome. Regardless of what your head tells you, regardless of what the devil tells you, regardless of what people tell you, I'm going to believe what God tells me. Amen? Uh, We want to carry on our series this morning in the book of Romans. If you've enjoyed this series so far, give me a wave. You got anything from it? I think it's a powerful series we're in. We've been talking about the grace of God. And really, we've planted the whole series um, on this uh, one particular scripture in Romans. Really, this is what the series is about. It's on the next slide. It's Romans chapter 1, verse 16. It says this, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Let me say that again. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I don't care what people think of me. I don't care whether they want to call me a Bible basher. I don't care if they think that I'm crazy. I am not ashamed of what Jesus has done for me. Why? Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew and then to the Gentile. And so in our series, we've talked about the gospel being transformation. We've talked about the gospel being changed, the gospel bringing freedom. Enzo preached on the gospel being free. And this morning I want to preach on the fact that the gospel is power. Everyone say power. Power. Say it like you have something. It's a little bit better. Just say it one more time like you mean it. Yeah, power. I've got the power. You know, you have power. In fact, it says the gospel is power. You know, when we talk about grace, I see grace as a diamond. It's multifaceted. You know, you can look at a diamond, but you turn it and you look at a diamond and you see something completely different under the microscope. It's it's multifaceted. And this is the same with the nature of grace. From one angle, you see how glorious and free it is. From another angle, you see that it demands a change from us. From another angle, we see that it produces power to see victory in this life. This is the gospel of grace. This is why we sing amazing grace. Who knows it's amazing? And so that's my prayer in this series that you'd have an amazing grace moment. A moment where it doesn't become just head knowledge, but actually something in your heart says, wow, what God has done for me. I want to break grace down for you like this and show you it this way. Um, actually, before I do that, l- l- let, me sh- let me show you something else. Claire, can I borrow you up on stage for a minute? You have a, you have a beautiful hat on this morning. A beret. It's a beret. Thank you. Okay. Will you give Claire a round of applause? 
she, she's going to probably hate me now because I'm going to make her take her hat off for me. And so, um, <laughs> please, will you do this for me? No, I'll tell you what, do it with your scarf. You can keep your beret, but I'm going to have your scarf. Okay. I want you to imagine that, that well, you don't need to imagine. Claire, I want you to give me your scarf. Will you give me your scarf? God likes a cheerful giver. I just want to point that out. God likes... <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. So, so Claire's going to give me her scarf. Now, now I need to receive this scarf. And so I, I take that. Now, now, did I do anything to earn that scarf? Nothing at all. It was, it was free. It was a gift. And when we talk about faith in the gospel, we're talking about this ability to receive. So faith is not something I'm proud of. Faith is just an ability to reach out and take what God has for me. Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm, 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 hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, let me work this. Come on. Now, now here, here's the thing. I feel like a snowman right now. I'm a little bit not quite shaped for this. But it has a purpose. The gift has the purpose, and it, this purpose of the scarf is to keep me warm. Thank you, Claire. Will you give Claire a round of applause? Now, now, here's the thing I'm, gonna, I'm trying to teach you with grace, is that the gospel is a free gift. But I receive it by faith, but it's for a purpose. Grace has a produce, and its produce is a transformed life. So yes, it's free. Yes, I receive it by faith. But it must produce something in my life. It has to bring a change. If the gospel has not changed you, then you've not really grasped the gospel. Man, I'm preaching better than you're amen in me. Yes, I love the fact it's free, but it's not freedom to sin. It's freedom to be a new creation in Christ Jesus. The gospel has power. It has power to change your life Forever. Can you say amen to that? But I want to show you this acrostic. It, it, it's a way to teach you grace. The first one is we look at the letter G. And it's a gift. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. Romans 6, 23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Who likes free things? Anyone like free things? I like free things, I must admit, I'm quite partial to free things. But I heard people say phrases like this, there's nothing free in this life. There's always a reason. Can I tell you the gospel is free? Hallelujah. You can't pay for it. I'm sorry, I don't care how rich you are in this place. You cannot buy your way into heaven. Doesn't matter how much money you've got, it will never get you in. You can't be good enough. It doesn't matter how good you are, you are still imperfect because you have broken the law at least once. In fact, let's put it to the test. Have you ever told a lie? Anyone ever told a lie? If your hand is not up, you are lying right now. Okay, so you can't be good enough to go to heaven. It's free. It has to be free because if it depends on me, guess what? I can't go to heaven. This is the grace of God. 
but are, it's received by faith. Received by faith. There is something we have to do to reach out and take this gift of salvation. It's called believe. You say believe. Believe in what? Believe in the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. That he died and that he rose again from the dead and is now seated in heaven and has made a way for you to go to heaven. Hallelujah. That is the gospel. And when we put our trust in that fact, then our assurance is not on our good works. Our assurance is on the finished work of the cross. A, it's available to everyone. You say, Pastor John, could Hitler have gone to heaven? Yeah. Could son of Sam have gone to heaven? Yeah. What about that pedophile? Could he have gone to heaven? Yeah. I'm sorry, it does not matter how evil the person is. This gospel extends to every single person. I'm sorry if that offends you. You say, well, I don't want them to go to heaven. Sorry, it's not our choice. It comes to a point where someone says, I am a wretched man. Oh God, would you save me? And if that's what it takes for someone to get to that point, then may God have mercy upon them. It gives me encouragement because I know that if God can save someone like Paul, the murderer of Christians, who is now the Apostle Paul, then he can save me. Come on, are you hearing me this morning? In fact, if God can take a prophet and have the prophet marry a prostitute, and if God can take a king who murders and commits adultery, then guess what? He can use me and you. I'm sorry, but it's received by faith and it's available to everyone. You want gospel power in your life, guess what? Go and get it. You are not disqualified. Just tell the person next to you, you're not disqualified. Someone needs to hear this this morning. A, uh, C, it's only through Christ. Only through Christ. Let, let me say it this way for you. We might need to adjust the next slide to fit it in, Uzzah. I can see that it's not going to fit. I'm sorry to say it, but I am going to drill it into you. There is only one way to heaven. I'm sorry, but we will not change the Bible to accommodate political correctness. The Bible is very clear that there is one way to heaven. There is salvation only found in one name, and that name is Jesus Christ. Only the blood of Jesus can cover your sin. You see, there's always had to be a blood sacrifice for sin. Throughout the Old Testament, we saw that that sheep and goats and bulls would be sacrificed. A blood sacrifice to cover sin. But Jesus' blood was shed once and for all. That all who believe in him shall be saved. I'm sorry, but Muhammad didn't die for you. Buddha didn't die for you. Allah didn't die for you. There is only one person who died for you. His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And at E, it's extended through eternity. You need grace today. You need grace tomorrow. You need grace every single day of your life. His grace is sufficient for you. Can you say amen to that? So does grace 
let us off the hook. This is really at the heart of this series. And we know what the answer is. The answer is no. In fact, Titus puts it this way. It says that the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. This is what we're talking about. Teaching us. What does grace do? It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly lusts. That we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present age. I'm sorry, but I, I, I'm, I love the grace message. I love it. I love the fact Jesus died for me. I love the fact that he has dealt with the penalty of my sin. But if we stop there, we do not understand the grace of God. The grace of God did not just deal with your penalty and make a way for you to go to heaven. The grace of God teaches us to live holy in this world. If you don't believe that, you do not believe the grace message. Put your helmet on. Hallelujah. Come on, there has to be a demand from us. Why? Because when we see the beauty of what Christ has done, when we gaze upon the cross, the grace of God brings us to repentance. That's what Paul said when he wrote, it's the goodness of God that brings me to repentance. Come on, are you with me this morning? I might have to get down there and say amen. It's just a bit harder than usual, okay? And so, the grace of God is power. The grace of God brings power for this life. Power for living. Just tell the person next to you, I've got power for living. Power for living. I think of Lazarus. Lazarus is, is called out of the grave. You know, Jesus comes up and he's right, Lazarus, come forth. I don't know how he said it. Maybe it's just like, Lazarus, come forth. Maybe it's just like more dramatic. Lazarus, come forth. I don't know. I thought that was quite good myself. But anyway, okay. I did practice that. Just want to point that out. But I don't know how he said it. But I know this. Lazarus came forth. This dead man came back to life. And Jesus has the power to resurrect your life. Doesn't matter how bad you are, this is the message of salvation that you were dead in your sins, but you have been made alive in Christ. But when Lazarus came back from the dead, the Bible says that Jesus said, Take off your grave clothes. You know, God was able to bring him back from the dead and deal with all the effects of his death. But can I tell you, this is a message for us that when we are born again, there is still a part that we play in removing the grave clothes. Removing the effects of our old life. Let me give you another example of this. The Israelites that are in slavery. And God delivers them from Egypt. Has anyone been delivered from Egypt in this place? Yes, all of you have. It is a picture of salvation. But who knows, their problems did not stop when they were delivered out of Egypt. In the wilderness, God had to get a slave mindset out of the Israelites. Can I tell you, when you're born again, you don't get instantly fixed. You get delivered. But now comes a period of transformation. If you want a theological term for it, the Bible term is sanctification. 
you are justified, justification, when you are born again. But your walk is now a walk of sanctification. God is making me become who he's made me to be. Hallelujah. Yeah, good place to clap. And I am holy. I'm being made holy. And I will be holy. That's what the Bible says. And so I am positionally holy in Christ. But he is working in me to live and to walk according to his ways, being made holy. But I will not truly be fully holy until the day I step into heaven and I rid this body. Thank you, Jesus. And I get a new sleek, sharp, supernatural body. Hallelujah. Some of you are like, forget the Botox, forget the liposuction. I'm waiting for my glorified body in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. Yes. And so there is a work that God wants to do in us after salvation. I was really challenged by a pastor. He said to me, he said, you know, so often we can be so busy making church that we don't make disciples. You know, that convicted me. It was like, you know, someone said something, you know, actually it wasn't them. It was God speaking to me. You know, we're so busy building church, events, programs. Actually, he's saying, you know what, just try and work on people. Shape people, raise people, bring up people to walk in your ways. And guess what? Everything else will take care of itself. Oh, that's powerful. I'm coming down. (laughs) Amen, preacher. Okay. (laughs) Hallelujah. But Jesus is the master craftsman. He is the carpenter. That's who he is. Chiseling at your life, shaping you, making you, molding you into who he wants you to be. You know, our goal at Elon Wimbledon is to create a place where people can experience not just religion, but power. Let me say that again. We don't want you to come on a Sunday morning and experience religion. We want you to experience the power of God, the presence of God, the glory of God. Why? Because this is the gospel. (laughs) It was annoying me. I might trip over my shoelace as well. That, that's, that's love right there. Well, thank you. Caring for my welfare. <laughs> thank you. That's good. That's good. Thank you. So Jesus is the master craftsman. Matthew 10 verse 1 says this, it says that Jesus gave his disciples, he called his 12 disciples to them and he gave them power, power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. This marked who God is. He is a God of power. Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus, Jesus' last words before he ascended. Where's Janice? Janice, where are you? Janice has just got back from Israel. Yeah, give her a round of applause. Now, I'm sure while Janice was there, you probably went to the Garden of Gethsemane and Mount of Olives. and, and, And yeah, she did the whole tour. 
And the thing is, God, the Garden of Gethsemane is, at, is at near the bottom of the mountain, but, but the Mount of Olives is at the top. And this is where Jesus said these words. And then he ascended into the heavens and he said to his disciples, when I come back, this is where I'm coming back. But I think his last words to us are going to be important. And this is what he says. You shall receive what? Power. Power. His last words to us are, you're going to get power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Let me ask you a question. Has anyone had the Holy Spirit come upon them? Come on, all over this place. We've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That's where we live. That's our postcode. There is power to be witnesses. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 3 says this. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of power. A demonstration of power. Are you hearing me this morning? This gospel is a gospel of power. It's not a weak gospel. It's not an intellectual gospel. It's not a gospel where we come to you with wise words. It's not a gospel where I impress you with a nice story. It's a gospel of power, of the supernatural, of God showing up. <laughs> Ephesians 1 verse 17 says this. It says... This is Paul saying, I do not cease to give thanks to you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. You need power to know him. That your eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. Can I tell you, you need power to know what you're supposed to do. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And he says this, and what is the exceeding greatness of his what? Power. Power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in, in heavenly places. Power. John 14. Trying to show you that power is throughout the whole Bible. Are you convinced yet? Are you convinced that you can have power? John 14 verse 12 says this, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do. Let me ask you a question. Who believes in Jesus? No, I really want to see you. Who believes in Jesus? Okay, I say to you, he who believes in me, who's that? That's me. That's you. The works that I do, you will do also. Whoa. What did he do? Raise the dead, healed the sick, cast out devils. Walked on water just because he could. He could have walked around that lake, but he didn't. Very selfish, Jesus. No, power. Come on. I love Jesus. Made bread multiply. Whoa. Gonna try that in Nando's. Thank you, Jesus. 
<laughs> Multiply those chicken wings. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. But the same power should be in us. Why? Because we believe. He says, there's anyone who has faith in me, whatever you ask, verse 13, in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Whoa. Come on. I'm talking about not just a little bit of power now. I'm talking about power that can do anything that he says, if you ask, I will do it. Mm. And I'm preaching for someone today. I feel it in my bones. If you need a miracle in this place, give me a wave. You hear you say, I need God to do something. I need a miracle today. Man, I'm, getting, I'm, just, I'm just setting you up. I'm getting ready to get in your business right now, okay? There is power. There is power. Let's go to Luke 18. Skip a bunch. It says this of Jesus. It says, Then it happened as he was coming near Jericho that a certain blind man sat by the road begging. And hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, and he cried out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You know, it doesn't say that he went, Jesus, son of David, hello. It says he cried out, Jesus, son of David. Have mercy on me. In fact, he screamed so loud that it says in the next verse that those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. Sharp. Don't you hate when people get loud? You just be quiet in church, please. It says this. It says that the guy cried out even more. Next slide. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, saying, What do you want me to do for you? I want to ask you that question this morning. I'm preaching on power. I'm preaching on how you get a miracle, how you access power. He says, What do you want me to do for you? And he says this. He says, Lord, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith, everyone say faith. Faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him glorifying God. Woo! And all the people saw it and gave praise to God. Wow. I tell you, as soon as we started worship, I knew there was an atmosphere in this place for power. Enzo stood up and his first words were power. He said, when he stepped down, he said, man, it feels like the presence of God's in this place today. There is power to heal. There is power for miracles. I don't know what miracle you need, but I know I've heard the Lord. I know I'm not just preaching another message, but I'm trying to get someone's attention that you can get a miracle in this place today. If you need a miracle, you're in the right place. There is power today. 
And, and I want to show you, I want to show you from this text five things to getting your power, to getting your miracle, to getting your breakthrough. We'll go quickly. Are you ready? First one, you've got to be passionate. I love the fact that this guy was crying out. Can I tell you, God is looking for passion. Uh, I'm sorry if you want a nice little pretty church where no one gets excited, then this is not the church for you. Because even the pastor gets excited in this church. Hallelujah. I don't want it to be a nice pretty church. I want this to be a messy church. I want this to be a passionate church. Why? Because I want people to cry out. Because I want Jesus to walk in the building. I want to get Jesus' attention. It says Jesus stopped. Why? Because when passion walks in the building, Jesus steps into the room. I'm sorry, but you know, if we want just nice, gentle, we want to be trendy, and it's all going to be very cool. Ah, you can be cool, but I want Jesus. I want to be the one that they say, Pastor John, you need to calm down. No, I will not calm down. I've been doing this for 20 years, and I will not calm down. Nah. Jeremiah 29 says this. It says, and you will seek me. And you will what? Find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I'm sorry, but half-hearted Worship will not find the presence of God. Man, I'm, I'm praying in this season. I'm saying, God, would you set us so on fire in this place that every heart, when they come, worships with passion and abandon. Why? Because I want the presence of God. More important than our vision, and, and I've got a big vision, but I want the presence of God. Let's not lose Jesus in our pursuit of something else. Second thing you need is you need to be persistent. They're all peace. Be persistent. They said to him, be quiet. What did he say? No. Can I tell you it's okay to tell people sometimes when they tell you not to do something, to tell them no. Yeah, yeah, but no, hold on a minute. This is 2019. If you're doing something that upsets me, you need to stop. No. Oh, I can't believe they carried on. How rude. No, I'm more, I'm more concerned with upsetting God than I am upsetting you. Oh man, we're so like snowflakes in this age. So gentle and precious. You know what? Maybe we need to get offended. Maybe we need to get back to a place where God shows up because that's what will happen. I tell you, if we really experience revival, some people will be offended. They'll be offended with me. They'll be offended with the person shaking on the ground. They'll be offended with the person laughing uncontrollably. It's probably Mabel. She's died already. They'll be offended. They'll be offended because it's not neat and pretty. But I don't know about you. I don't want neat and pretty. I want Jesus. And if I need a miracle. Here's the thing. When you get desperate, you don't care whether it looks nice and pretty. 
When you really get desperate, you don't come to church and go, oh, what do people think about me? No, you find, find God. You get on your knees and you say, oh, son of David, have mercy on me. See, I'm looking for someone that needs a miracle this morning. I'm looking for someone that's not just going to go, okay, yeah, nice message. I'm looking for someone that's going to get passionate. And they're not going to quit, but they know where their answer comes from. You know, when you run out of answers, there is only one place. His name is Jesus. Earlier in Luke 18, he says this. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. He didn't like God and he didn't like people. Man, that guy is miserable. He said, <laughs> he said, in a certain town, there was a judge who didn't like God or people. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me. Men, this is a scripture for you right here. Okay, just putting that out there. Forgive me, Lord. I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Her persistence brought her breakthrough. You see, my my, my wife knows a lot of the Bible, but she knows this scripture better than most. If she wants to get something, guess what? She's going to keep coming, keep coming. She takes that scripture. If you don't ask, you don't get, so I will keep on asking until I get. But can I tell you, this is how it works with the Lord. Knock, keep on knocking. Ask, keep on asking. Why would Jesus tell us this parable unless he was going to actually form a part of our walk with him? Some people say, well, I've not got my miracle yet. Hello, this is what Jesus would say to you. Remember the, the unjust judge and the persistent widow. She kept coming, kept asking, kept saying, when will you answer my prayer? Number three, you've got to be precise. You've got to be passionate You've got to be persistent and you've got to be precise. Jesus comes to him and says, what do you want? What does he say? Well, I just want you to bless me. I just want a nice life. That's great. What do you want? He says, I want to see. I, I, I want to ask you, maybe, maybe your passion has brought Jesus in the room this morning. Maybe your persistence has brought you to a point where he is here this morning saying, what do you want? I want to ask you, what do you want? What do you want? What, what, what is it you want? What, what, what would you say? What, what, what is it you want? I, I, I want a job, Jesus. I, 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 I need some money. Okay, well, how much money? Whoa. Now we're talking, Jesus. Okay, what, what job do you want? Okay, specific, precise. That I'm not just coming with a generic, oh, okay, God, just help me. No, I'm coming saying, Lord, this is what I want you to do for me. James 4.2. You don't have because you don't ask. Uh, you, you, you say, Pastor John, well, I'm praying. Well, 
I'd love to hear how you prayed. I would love to hear how you are specifically asking God to bring what he needs to bring. You know, there sometimes you can pray the same prayer. And you know what? You get up this morning and you're going to pray that same prayer again. Why? Because that's the persistence. And there are things that God hasn't done in my life, but he's going to do them. Why? Because I'm going to persist. This church will be a church of a thousand people. I pray it every single day. We are building a church of a thousand people. Why? Because God has said it. And I might look at empty chairs, but I don't see empty chairs. I see what God is going to do. And I will keep asking him to do what he is going to do. Number four, you've got to be positive. He said your faith has healed you. You want to know what faith is? Your faith is your attitude. Sorry if that's not spiritual enough for you. You want to make faith this supernatural. Actually, your faith reflects in your whole attitude. The fact that he was even coming to Jesus, the fact that he cried out, he could have just gone, well, Jesus can't help me. But you know what he was doing? He was crying out. Why? Because he knew that his answer was going to come from Jesus. That was faith. And you might be here and you're like, well, I've tried before. I don't even know if I'm saved anymore. Come on, I'm preaching to some of you. I don't even know if I believe any of this. Yeah, I've heard it all before. What's that? That's called unbelief. Sorry. Do you know what the Bible calls that? Sin. Sorry. Come back next week. (laughs) Your attitude reflects on what you're going to get from God. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so if I want to get something from God, maybe I've got to sort my attitude out so I can receive the power I need for my life. And maybe I need to start saying, I don't go by what I see. I don't go by what I feel. Yeah, it may have been a tough year. It may be a year where I've not seen a lot. But you know what? I'm going to sort my attitude out and I'm going to begin to say, my God can do all things. Man, you need a miracle in your marriage. Maybe it's time to stop telling each other how crap you are and start saying, I believe that you are the best person that God has for me. I believe we're going to have a great marriage. Hallelujah. Maybe it's time to stop looking at your finances and going, oh, I can't even afford McDonald's. And start going, I believe that God will provide. And be a blessing and sow and believe. And what is that? That's faith. Be positive. Just tell the person next to you, be happy. Tell them, don't worry about a thing. Because every little thing. All right, you get the idea. Okay. Point five be praiseful. That was a little bit of praise. Be praiseful. What happens? He gets his miracle and he begins to praise. But can I tell you there's a real secret for you in in receiving a miracle. The Bible says, sing, O barren woman. You who are without child, bring praise. I tell you there's something powerful that when you begin to praise before your miracle. Are you hearing me this morning? You know, when you begin to say thank you, Before you even see it on the earth, I tell you what that is, that is bold. That is, I know who my father is and I know that he's going to do what he's going to do. And say, I say, thank you, dad, you're going to do this for me. What am I doing? I am believing, I'm receiving, and then I'm expressing it with thanksgiving. The Bible says, don't rejoice when demons flee. 
but rejoice that your name is in the Lamb's book of life. I tell you, if, you uh, uh, if your name is in that book of life, then you have access to a Father who has all power. And when we begin to get passionate in this place, and when we begin to be persistent in this place, and when, and, and when, and when we, we begin, um, what's my third point? Be precise, thank you, Jesus. That was not very precise. And when we get positive and when we let praise out, we position, that's another P, for a miracle. Why? Because the gospel is power. Father, we pray right now over this house. You know every need. You know every person that needs to hear this message today, every person that's in despair, every person that wants to give up, every person that wants to quit, every person that wants to walk away, every person that's had enough, you know where they're at right now and you know that you're speaking to them. And God, I pray that their hardness and their hurt and their bitterness and their pain would not get in the way. But God, I pray today, let faith arise and our enemies mount before us. Father, I pray today that we would pursue you for power in this place. Let passion walk in this building. Let us pursue you until we find you. And precisely seek you for what we need in our time and our hour of desperation. God, I'm asking you that you'd bring breakthrough in this place this morning. Worship team, if you come. We're going to sing. But I think we should sing with some fire in our bellies this morning. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit. I want to do this. You say, Pastor John, you're preaching to me this morning. I need a miracle. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand up. You say, yeah, I really feel this word was for me. I, I was here to hear this. I need God to do something. If that's you, I want you to stand up. You say, yeah. I'll give you a moment. You've got to hear me this morning. It's not going to happen just by waiting. I'm sorry. I wish it was easy. You say, well, I'm waiting for my miracle. No. You could be sat on that side of Jericho Road for the rest of your life. Something's got to break. Somebody's got to get so desperate. Can I tell you, Jesus is walking through this place this morning. What are you going to do? Are you going to try and just fit in or are you going to let some passion flow out of your heart as we worship? Are you going to let some persistence come out of you that says, okay, I'm going to knock a few more times. I'm going to bang on that door. I'm not going to quit just yet. You're going to let some thanksgiving out that says, even before I see my miracle, I'm going to believe. I'm going to be positive in this place this morning because the God of miracles is here. The God of breakthrough is here. The God of victory is here. The God who can do all things, the one that rose Jesus Christ from the dead dwells inside of me. The God of power is in this place. And so we break every sickness in Jesus' name. We cast out every devil in Jesus' name. We release breakthrough over finances and marriages and situations. Right now, in the name of Jesus, Father, we ask you, God of miracles, do miracles in this place. Let our passion unlock the heavens in this house. And we'll never be the same again. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, 
Amen. Let's worship. Let's give him everything just for a few moments. You're here with the grace of a Savior, with the heart of a Father. You're all we need. You're here with the hands of a healer, with the power of His Spirit. You're all we need. At the mention of Your name, every chain will break. Jesus, you supply. 